Okay, so uh, last week, at this time, I was at a wedding, and uh, now uh, we're still recuperating, but we have Parsha Shlach, which usually is smack in the middle of the summer, but um, it's, uh, it's here. Everything is a lot earlier this year, and Parsha Shlach is really packed with a lot of um, a lot of very practical uh, advice, lots of practical advice. So let's jump in. It says, so the basic storyline is that Jews are about to get into Israel. Some people are nervous. They ask Moshe, we got to go spy out this land. The land is full of tens of kingdoms and armed kingdoms. And What are we going to do? We're going to go in there. We're going to take over. Who said it's a good place? You know, out here things are fine. Why do we have to be so cavalier? Moses goes to God and God says, you know, not such a good idea, but if they want to do it, they can. And they so they uh, Moshe appoints a leader from each tribe, very holy men, leaders, very high caliber people. So much so that the fifth to highest ranked of the of the leaders from the twelve different tribes was Joshua, Yoshua, who was then Moshe's prized student. So you see, he he was number five. So this is a very very prestigious group. And the group goes to Israel. They go around Israel for 40 days, and they come back. Unfortunately, 10 of the, of the spies, 10 of the leaders come back with a not good report, a negative report. And two of them, Joshua and Kalev, they come back with a positive report. And this is very bad. The Jewish people basically accept the report, the bad report, and they don't want to go into Israel, which was the whole reason they came out of Egypt in the first place. This is not good. Very not good. This is actually is considered the beginning a, of all suffering to happen to us in our exiles. And they actually, this happened on Tishabov when they when their report came back. And it was the that was the, the first of many, 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 many sad things to happen on the ninth of the month of Av. And it was decreed on that day the Jews would stay in the desert for the next 38 and a half years, wandering and wandering and wandering. And it also was decreed that no adults would that were in that were that were party to this would make it into Israel. So they all passed away over the next 38 and a half years. So that's the story. So what obviously the Torah is not just a storybook, it is a storybook. But it's 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 stories that uh, we they uh, there's what to learn from them. Shirashi explains what was the major complaint. Okay, they came back with a bad report. Okay, they were spies. I mean, what what's so horrible about this bad report? So there's many aspects of it, and Rashi points out famously that right before this episode was the episode when. Moshe's sister Miriam had spoken Lashon Hara. To her level, to some degree, she spoke in an ill way about her brother. And the whole, uh, it was a lesson to the entire Jewish people. 
So everyone had just received this very powerful lesson about the power of talking positively and the counterproductive power of speaking negatively. And Rashi says that they should have they should have learned from this. They should have learned from uh, from Miriam. So all the commentators ask, one second, Miriam said something bad about Moshe. Here you have the, 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 the spies coming back, speaking bad about a land. Everyone knows maybe a person should be more positive, but how could you say that, uh, that they should have learned? It's not the same thing. So I saw Rabbi, Rabbi Orderman from Tells, or we saw Orderman from the Tells Yeshiva, he says that it's not about Lashon Hara per se. It's, you're right. Technically speaking, to say something wrong about a piece of dirt, although a very holy piece of dirt, is not inherently something wrong. It's not a sin per se. It's not a checklist sin. But what it is, is something called an, an eye in Toba. Person, it's a general attitude person to get on in life has to have a good eye. Not just in baseball, you have to have a good eye, but in life, you have to have a good eye. And we say that we know, we speak to any, um, I guess, ophthalmologists, whatever it is, uh, you know, eye doctors, they, we all know that everyone has a stronger eye. So in the Musa works, they say that that the stronger eye is supposed to be inward look at yourself you notice everything about yourself and the weaker eye is to see to not necessarily notice things about other people and the famous story with the famous nazi hunter simon wiesenthal the famous simon wiesenthal center in los angeles millions of dollars uh you know to try to try to propagate uh Goodwill for the Jews and bad will for those out to get us. So Simon Wiesenthal was a Holocaust survivor. And he originally had given up. And there's a famous story with him and, and a one of the great American rabbinic leaders at the time of the Holocaust was a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Eliezer Silver from Cincinnati. And he was very involved in the DP camps after the war. And he went to a particular camp which Simon Wiesenthal was in, and he made a minion. He made a minion. Maybe it was a Kabbalah Shabbos. And he saw that Simon wasn't coming. Simon Wiesenthal wasn't coming. And he looked very angry, staff, uh, standoffish. And after davening, he goes over to uh, Simon. He says, Simon, why the long face? And he says, no one here needs any excuses to have a long face. He says, yeah, but everyone else is in the minion. So why are you not coming in? He said, because this is a famous story that, um, you know, there was someone had smuggled into the contraband, a sitter, into a concentration camp. And he was offering for, you know, two minutes with the sitter, you give a quarter of your daily measly uh meager rations and um and uh this turned off silent wiesenthal he said how could it be you have a jew gets a sitter and he takes away the food 
from all the uh, the starving inmates. And says, ah, ah, this religion is a ridiculous religion. So Rabbi Silver famously said, you missed the boat, Simon. You're right. There was maybe, you can't judge the guy. First of all, everyone knows anything that happens with the Holocaust people, you never could judge anybody. But but, but that's not for us to say. So, but Rabbi Silver said, but look at everybody else. So maybe that one guy was misguided. But everyone else was willing to give up their food. What an incredible religion. So Simon accepted that, and actually that gave him strength. And he uh, went on to become a very, very uh, productive, uh, prolific uh, Jew. And so that's, uh, that's the, the, uh, the message that we're saying is that it's not, yeah, it's not a textbook sin to, to not like Israel. But uh, it's a functional it's a functional. You're not, you can't function if all you notice is the bad. So the famous thing it says, we say, I think it's in Tillam. We say, What does that mean? To see the good of Jerusalem. And what it means is that, you know, Israel's got its problems. It's always had its problems. So you can go to Israel and see the good, or you cannot see the good. And that is one of the major lessons which most of the commentaries point out is was the problem over here. It wasn't a textbook sin. It wasn't like not keeping kosher or not keeping Shabbos. It, technically speaking, maybe not even been a sin, but it was a mentality that meant the Jews were not ready for, for, for the privilege of Israel. Now, one of my famous things, I heard this originally first from uh, Rabbi Raymond Beta, but I've heard it many times since. I think my friend has a few famous lectures where the uh, the spies come back from Israel and they say, you know, there were these giants there. And it says, we were in our eyes like grasshoppers. It's a very weird statement. We They were trying to say that there were giants there and we were a little like honey, I shrunk the kids, right? We were these little things on the ground. And we were look like grasshoppers, but the Torah doesn't say that. The Torah says we were in our eyes like grasshoppers, and that's how they perceived us. So all the classic Musar commentaries point out here, famous, uh, you know, uh, psychiatric, psychological idea that how we perceive ourselves, we then reflect. That's what others, we think, that's what they must think of us, right? If I think I'm not smart, so I assume that you're, you also think I'm not smart. But it becomes more than that, says, says Chazal. That it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I don't think I'm particularly good at something, then I give off that vibe, and then I live up to it. So they say that was the mistake that the, the leader, the, the spies made is they didn't have, they didn't value themselves enough, and that's how, and they put that reflection uh, on on others. And very often when we get insulted or we think others don't believe in us, it could be, sometimes people do insult us, and sometimes people don't believe in us, but a lot of times there's a piece of it that um, is a piece of it that uh, is really you know, no, it's really all in your head. So moving along, 
Point number three. So we know on the way out, Joshua, Yoshua, his name before he left was Hoshea. And on the way out, Moshe added the letter Yud to his name, which kind of gave him superpower, was like extra blessing, Hashem should be with him. And his name became Yehoshua. So the Targum Yonasan, famous commentator, says that what, what did Moshe see that caused him to feel the need to give this special, uh, special power? Um, so, um, so, so what does he say? He says that he saw that Yehoshua was very humble, very humble. Well, what's wrong with being humble? So I saw the Sefer Avnei Shoham quotes the famous Gemara and Gittin that we everyone learns on Tisha B'Av. It says there that Avnei Shoham ben Avkulas that the humility of the of the figure that lived at the time of the end of the temple, Zechariah ben Avkulis, that's what caused the temple to be destroyed. Famous story where there was an, a, a someone who was trying to get the Jewish people in trouble, was skipping most of the story, but bottom line was it was clear he was trying to get the Jews in trouble with the government, which would ultimately get anybody killed, and there were suggestions to maybe kill the imposter or to, to make some, you know, some improvisions which weren't uh, normal. And this, this leader over there, his name was Echariah ben Avkulis, he kept being overly nervous and overly cautious to take a stand. And, and he, was being, he was being cautious and humble, and it really ended up being very bad. And the Jews weren't able to take a strong position when they needed to. So there are times, I know in 21st century, it's in vogue, certainly in 2021, it's in vogue to, uh, you know, we, we, we got to be compromising, we got to be chilled, we, uh, we, we got to let things go. But there is a time and a place. And we all know this. Even someone who proposes that it's not true, we all know because there's all things in our life where we do have that are unequivocal and uncompromising. Everyone has, you know, uh, let's say someone is uh, feels very strongly about a cause, but it gets to the point where they might end up having a relative, God forbid, be killed because of the cause. A lot of people may backtrack from the cause. There are certain lines you might not cross. And, and that's something that we have to have. We have to be humble. We have to be compromising. But there are things, and it's important for a person to think about. Many people today may not even have things that they are unequivocal about. And that's not a good thing. So it's important to think in our lives, what are things that we are unwilling to compromise about? And it's not a bad thing. Usually we think non-willingness non to compromise is a bad thing. Yes, generally speaking, it is. But everyone should have things in their life. And the great thing about Judaism is that Judaism tells us what a lot of, uh, gives us a lot of good, well, they're really directives. But if you're not willing to take them as directives, they're definitely very good suggestions. 
Um, so that's an important exercise, you know, because Rabbi Noach Weinberg was famous for saying, if you know, it's much easier to figure out what you might die for, and then you can live those ideas. So let's think about that. So one of the other things that the spies spotted was that they saw a lot of people were, were there were a lot of funerals. Everyone was preoccupied with the funerals. Now, really, God orchestrated that so people would be very busy and wouldn't notice these spies. But the, in, the, in the spies' report, they completely omitted that. And they just said it's an Eretz Asher, uh, uh, that, that, it, uh, that eats up its, inha- its inhabitants. And it, that's all they said. They didn't notice anything about it. So many many commentators, the, the uh, specifically the, uh, the the Stipler Gaon, he passed away in the eighties. Very very uh, very great rabbi, known for his blessings. So he said it was true. They came back and said a lot of people were dying, and they had funerals. What what did you want them to say? They had to say that. It was a pretty significant thing. I mean, you go somewhere. So this is the Chasa show. This one goes to Disney World. And they go to Disney World. And every time, every day they wake up and then in Disney World, there's a funeral. That'd be a pretty important thing to report back. So the sniper said, brings down the, the, um, the Zohar, who says that they had a subconscious sort of conscious agenda. What was the agenda? They knew as soon as they moved to Israel, they may no longer be there, keep their positions ahead of the tribe. So they had a subconscious, conscious vested interest in pushing off the Jews' campaign into Israel. And therefore, since they had that underlying interest, they saw what they wanted to see. That's what the sniper going says, and he says that was the problem. If they wouldn't have had that agenda, and when you see this sometimes, you can listen to someone else talking, you're like, you know, if they weren't in this situation, they would not be saying that. And that happens to us also. The famous Gemara in Gittin, where there was a big, great rabbi who was in jail, and the rabbi heard the birds say, you know, you should escape. And the great rabbi turned to his friend and he said, did you hear what I heard? He said, yeah, it says you should escape. So the famous sage of Akiva Eger says, you know, we know that that great rabbi in the Gemara understood the language of the birds. So why did he have to ask his friend to double check? So Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, great Rashiva from the Mir in Yerushalayim, passed away, you know, about 40 years ago, um, 50 years ago. He said that you see that a person is the gabadaver person. If they want this rabbi wanted to leave jail, that's what he wanted to hear. So we had to double check it. So whenever you, uh, whenever you, you, um, you know that you have a bias, you got to double check if possible with someone else. Moving along at the end of the parsha, it has talks about tzitzis. Of the strings, tzitzis. So what's tzitzis doing in the same parsha as the parsha of the spies? What's the connection? Well, in tzitzis, in the parsha of tzitzis, it talks about looking at the tzitzis. Famously, the Gemara and Bracha says, 
when a person, when we used to have blue in our tzitzis, a person would look at the blue in their tzitzis, that would remind them of the color of the sea, which remind them of the heaven, which remind them of God's sapphire, so to speak, throne. And that would remind them to, to do what they're supposed to do. So what, what do you see from there? See from there that everything has a depth to it. And the, that was a mistake that the spies made. They didn't learn from the tzitzis. When you go to a place like Israel, God's been saying this is the place to go. You're leaving Egypt to go to Israel. You can't, in your right mind, look at it in a shallow way. you got, you got to realize there's depth there. And that is a very important thing in life. People are not shallow. People are very complicated, right? Especially good people are complicated. Certainly, Jews are complicated, and and if you have and, and we 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 don't uh, a lot of times we just take things at face value, and we're supposed to learn from the tzitzis that the same way that the blue and the tzitzis were expected to think four steps removed, life is the same way, you know nothing is as simple as as it seems. So. Look, we said before, the Zohar says, the Stifler brought down the Zohar, Shem Bayechai, that what was the, the concern here? These leaders wanted to stay in power. Now, last week's Parsha, when the prophets prophesied that Moshe was going to pass on and Yeshua was going to take over, Yeshua makes it very clear, I'm not interested in leadership. So why is Moshe worried about Yeshua? Yeshua, if this was their problem, Yeshua is, is, is the antithesis of that. So why is, why, so Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Kalevsky, uh, I just named my son, partially after him, or Shiva Neisrael, he, he asked he asked this question. And he says, why was Moshe Rabbeinu worried about <laughs> Yeshua worried about being a leader. So Kalevsky said that you have to worry about a kosher negius. We're used, until now we're talking about, I may have a bias for something negative, but there's even a bias for something good. Because Yehoshua knew when he would go into Israel, he would be the leader. Says Rebbe Kalevsky, Moshe Rabbeinu thought Maybe Yoshua would be biased to slow down the Israel process so he wouldn't have to be the leader because he was such a humble man. And that would be a good intention, but trying to undermine God's plan. So says Rabbi Kalevsky, especially today, you know, Baruch Hashem, people learn lots of Torah, we do lots of mitzvahs and chesed and everything, but we have to be... So really today... A lot of times the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, is not going to get us to do something straight up wrong. We're not going to do that. But what the Yitzhahara sometimes will do is will come with a kosher bias and say, ah, oh, you know, I got to do this because it's a mitzvah, right? So says Rabbi Klavsky, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about with Yeshua. He wasn't worried about Yeshua making some pithy mistake. Yeshua was going to make a high-level calculation, but even high-level calculations. And says Rabbi the only way to deal with this problem is the mission in Pirkei Avos, Asei lecharav, Knei lecha 
You have to have uh, some sort of mentor that will be honest with you, and you have to have a, a friend that will be honest with you. Because that's the only way you can possibly deal with all the biases that come up. It's another short idea or two. So in the Haftorah, you know, every week we read a little bit from the prophets. That's with the same ideas of the Torah portion. And, the, and we know at the beginning when the Jews, in fact, are in Israel, or when they're really ready to go in 40 years later, so Yehoshua says gets two spies. And these spies are considered the best spies in the world. Right? They're Pinchas and Kalik. So the uh, commentators focus on what was it that made the that campaign of spies work out so well, and these this this time it didn't. So I saw, I forgot who says this. The Medrash says over here that it describes, the word it used to describe the second group of spies, it calls them charash. The word charash. Now charash can mean cheresh. One of the things that the spies did, we know in the story there, is they pretended to be deaf. That was one of their tricks of getting away with being spies. Another thing the Medrash says is that they dressed up as earthenware dealers. So I saw that this was the key to their success. If a person is deaf, what does that mean? It means they don't listen to the naysayers. They stick to their mission. And that's what Kalev and Pintmas did right. They were deaf to anything except for their mission. And we need to sometimes be deaf to things. We need to be able to be strong enough to who cares what other people say? Who cares anybody says, I'm just going to do what I got to do. And the other lesson is of the earthenware. Earthenware in the old days was like plastic. It was like the epitome of something that was just used for its functionality. And, and that's what, why they were successful. They were successful because they said, look, we have a job. Our job is just to go figure out battle tactics, and that's it. We're not here to give our opinions. We're not here to say, uh, give commentary, and that's why they were successful. And really, that's how a Jew is supposed to be. A Jew can ask questions. You could try to understand, but we're really, we're really soldiers. We're, we're soldiers, and we don't. And, and we can try to understand. We can try to do whatever we can that will inspire us. But ultimately. We gotta just be shoulders and do what we're supposed to do. Lastly, it says towards the end of the parsha is discussing the different sacrifices. And one of the talks about uses says an interesting word when it talks about sacrifices. It says Torah achas. There will be one Torah. So it's an interesting thing. What do you mean it's one Torah? Of course it's one Torah. So I saw one of the Bali Musar, they say that this is to teach us the famous idea that Torah is timeless. Torah is immutable. It's everything to everyone at any time. It's one Torah. It was given 3,333 years ago, and it's just as applicable today. It's applicable for every person, no exceptions. We just have to know how to use it. It's like, you know, say someone gets a smartphone, right? I don't have a smartphone. But so, I mean, when, I get a, when I borrow someone's smartphone, I usually don't know what I'm doing with it, right? Does that mean it doesn't work? Of course it works. I just don't know how to use it, right? 
Okay, so it's a quick review of the ideas we, that we touched on tonight. First idea was the idea of God, even if you don't do anything technically wrong, to try to notice the good and not focus on the bad. We talked about how a person's self-perception is so important. Talked about how there is a time to not be humble and to be uncompromising, and generally not, but to know the person, person should take stock to know what those things are for them. Talked about the stipler's idea that a person has an agenda. You'll see what you want to see. We learned from the tzitzis that things are not shallow. Everything has a few few layers, and often the top is very far from uh, the real message. We learned that Maisha Rebbeinu, Maisha was nervous even for a kosher bias, a good, a well-intentioned bias. Now, the extra careful for those Learn that the best way to be successful is to be like a piece of earthenware or to be like someone who's deaf. You don't care. You just do what you got to do. And lastly, that the Torah is immutable. It's timeless. It's everything to everyone at any time in history. And a person realizes that and accepts that, then it's a different life. Because you always have the Torah to turn to. You can have then respect for people who are Torah scholars who can access that information. And I, I mean, it's a different world. People who are in the world of Torah or out of the world of Torah, it's a, a totally different world. So have a good Shabbos. <laughs> you hear this. And th- thanks for coming on. <laughs>